Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Culture Vacuum Podcast, episode 51. Am I right? I'm your host, Samuel Polay. And with me, as always, is... Oh, no, Calvin isn't here. I guess I'm alone. I ate him. (laughs) (gasps) Michael Watts. It is I, Michael Watts. Two episodes in a row, baby. I'm creeping back in. I'm going to take over this this whole ship. I'm the captain now, if you know what I mean. Much like Parasite in Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Exactly. Exactly. I haven't seen that movie yet. but It's yeah. not out yet. Ah, well, I don't know what it's about, it. but oh. maybe it's called Parasite. So, yeah. like a like a like Maybe it's about a parasite. <laughs> I think it's about a social parasite. You know what? You know what does have a, have a story about Parasite, though, Samuel? What? Culture Vacuum Plus. Oh, Culture Vacuum what? Plus. As as I didn't know it signed other... you not. Oh Wait, yeah. Do do we have a development deal with you? We do have a development deal. Um, you wouldn't know about it. I worked it over with the lawyers, but um. Uh, Wait, what is this costing me? Uh, we'll we'll get into those discussions later. But um, along with uh, famous programs such as My Man with Jason Momoa and um, Oh Boy Guys, here we go again with Michael Sarah. Uh, we will be introducing a new series, uh, helmed by me, directed, written, produced, and starring yours truly, called Donkey Boy, and it's about a boy who uh, who develops a parasite that is a a crossbreed between an actual parasite and donkey genes, and he slowly starts turning into a donkey. Okay, I am the donkey. Um, where does the donkey boy live? Um, he lives in, um, in, uh, Nebraska. Um, it's kind of ironic. You know, we went with a horse name. I don't really know whose decision that was, but, So uh, it's, it's more of an exploration of, like, rural life and what the isolationism of living on a farm in a farming community can transform a human. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the, the big, you know, internal conflict for the character is that he, uh, he grew up in a family of horse trainers, actually, and so uh, okay. he starts turning into a donkey and realizes that uh, his family no longer has any use for him, but also he sort of realizes along the way that his family never really had use for him, so, you know. So he's he's both a beast of burden of his family, but also a beast of burden within the capitalist system that demands he become a donkey boy. Yes, and a huge, huge ass as well. Okay, just... Yeah ungodly ass. just a, a giant giant ass that's where the that's where the parasite actually stays after he turns and transitions into the donkey and uh-huh. it just sort of takes takes up space and takes up a home in his ass how much of a donkey does he turn into like full-on animal donkey or donkey and shrek the musical donkey i'd i'd say like halfway between donkey and shrek the musical and donkey in shrek the movie okay yeah, he's like a halfway in between there. And actually just, he does he does sound like Eddie Murphy as the show goes on and he transitions more. I think okay. I think our thought there was that, you know, just the internal monologue of donkeys, I think just is all Eddie Murphy. Every single donkey to themselves when they in their in their inner thoughts sounds like Eddie Murphy. So he figured, you know, that's just the best way to to vocalize it out loud. Okay, so yeah. are we thinking comedy or drama here? You know, it's 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 really it's really reinventing the the genre. I would say, and is 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 sort of um, 
really taking a twist that that most people won't won't quite really understand as they begin but towards the end we'll we'll really find some solace in so i i don't really know if i want to you know label it a comedy or a drama it's sort of a it's sort of a a small scale like character study you know that's sort of taking a stance on on society and and how we treat those who are different okay well uh you i guess uh, is the season shot yet or are you about to go into production you know we're 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 in we're in pre-production still you know we're still trying okay, to figure so out the uh the cg budget for the for the ass mainly so we don't um, we don't want to confirm if you're going to be a launch day series or not yeah no of just... course not of course not this is just a uh to to bring in more hype and uh and uh you know excitement for the platform yeah and uh yeah. as so uh as, as as you know, Culture Vacuum Plus subscription is going to be available for uh, one Bitcoin, uh, whatever that's worth at the time. So yep. could be a good or a bad deal. Oh yeah, <laughs> you'll oh, never yeah. know. Who knows? It'll it all always fluctuates. That's what makes Culture Vacuum Plus so exciting. Yeah, the only blockchain powered streaming system bringing you top tier content and services, all for one low or high monthly fee. Uh, I don't know what else we could possibly ask for. Just get get ready for Culture Vacuum Plus. You you get those Bitcoin wallets ready, y'all, because you're not gonna want to miss out on 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 this uh, on Donkey Boy. Yeah, yeah. You know you got uh, Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus launching next month. Uh, so once those whet your appetite for hyper niche streaming services that are harmful to the market, just you wait until Culture Vacuum Plus. You're not going to know what hit you. You saw The Mandalorian? <laughs> Just wait till you see Donkey Boy. Just wait. Just wait. Taika Waititi ain't got shit on this. Ha! Yeah. Do you think Taika so Waititi gave The Mandalorian a giant parasite-filled ass? No. No, he didn't. He's not bold <laughs> enough. He doesn't care no. like we do about pushing the boundaries of drama and narrative. Yeah. Unlike uh, regular television, where every director basically does the same job and just maintains tone and style and helps the actors get their performance along where needed, uh, we want our visionary directors doing everything at Culture Vacuum Plus. Every episode's going to be everything completely that different. they can do, anywhere yeah. they can get their little little fingers into. Pilot and directors going to come work. in. Pilot director is going to come in, set the tone for the entire show. Episode two, everything's going to be completely different, Absolutely. unrecognizable. Absolutely, you know, it's that kind of excitement that we think is uh, is really really makes Culture Vacuum Plus stand aside from these other lame, you know, money hungry streaming platforms. You know, we don't we don't really want your money. You know, you wait you wait for when Bitcoin's the least expensive, you know, and then you then you get it. We're not here to take your money. We're here to revolutionize the way that you intake content and listen and view and intake stories. Yeah. Can't wait till that launch date, twenty sixty nine. So excited. These residual checks are gonna be incredible. Oh no, we, we have no back end. Uh, you no, get paid up front. Sorry. It's not about money. It's not about money. It's not about money. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, not at all. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know who did do it for the money? Who? Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Oh, the man. The man who who told every high schooler that they should be a musical theater performer. 
Ryan Murphy. And what do you know? Some of them listened. A lot of them listened. My entire, the entire, like, student body of my college listened. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Are you this, know what's so funny them, is that are this all is of them Glee fans? A good chunk of them, I would say. Me, me included. Okay. I was a Glee fan in high school, if you recall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I'd seen like the first season of Glee. I watched it with my mama. Uh, but mm. then I think like season three or whatever is when I stopped watching right? because it just, I just stopped being interested in it. Was that before or after what's his face passed away? It was, it was before he died. I, I, it's, I stopped watching Glee before what's his face died and before the other guy, but was outed as a oh. pedophile. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think. I don't think I watched the final season, actually. I think I watched up to the final season. Because the final season was when they had that whole, like, it's ten years later, right? And I don't, I don't know. know. I, I've, I haven't seen it. so Yeah. I just remember I, there being – I remember the last episode I watched had this really weird, like, time jump cliffhanger thing where they were like, Rachel's in New York and she's going to her first ter- Tony Awards where she's nominated for Best Actress in a Musical – and she is pregnant with um with with Kurt and Blaine's surrogate baby. <laughs> yeah, that and, oh, and she like married and she married Jonathan Groff, of his course. character. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. I don't know, but I I think a lot of the criticism I've seen of what we're talking about this way we're talking about the politician. Ah, uh, yes, yes. A lot of the criticism of Glee, I, it seems like it's been addressed because I watched Glee before anyone had actually graduated high school, and then that's when I stopped watching. And from mm. everything I've heard about Glee, the show kind of fell apart after everyone left high school. Oh, And totally. the show decided – because the conceit of the show is it's about a high school Glee club, basically, yep. and uh, which is like who gives a shit about Glee club? You're talking – so it's about like the people who like are – in the shadows in high school and they like need some kind of inspiration to stand out. And then you have a mix of people of losers and jocks all in this one glee club. And that's what made the first two seasons that I'd seen good. Uh, and then instead of opting to send those characters on their way and welcome in a new class, it sort of fell apart as they tried to follow those people away from when the show was interesting. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. As as somebody who who was a watcher of Glee, that was like always the the big struggles in the later seasons is that you have these characters a that you know, and it's it's kind of it was kind of inescapable because the characters that they had spent so long like building up were so lovable and so like ingrained into the story. And you know, when they were like, oh yeah, you guys are graduating soon, everyone was sort of like, oh fuck, like what what's gonna happen, you know. And I feel like that's also just part of, like, being young and not really, like, understanding how narratives work sometimes. And sometimes you have to say goodbye to characters and welcome in new ones. But a lot of people were like, no, I don't want to say goodbye to Rachel and Kurt and all of these people. So they sort of, like, they sort of just kept in touch with them at the same time, but also, like, introduced new characters. So they tried to, you know, build up and and grow these new characters while also still keeping in touch with the old ones and continue. It was it was a lot. It was just a lot that they tried to do and it did yeah. not play out well. So I think the conceit of the politician uh and we'll get to it in a little bit. I want to get into the business side first, but uh the sure. conceit of the politician 
I think is a lot smarter uh, because we're assuming you've seen it. You should watch it. It's on Netflix. It's like eight episodes. Very good. You can binge Uh, it in two days easily. That's what I did. The conceit of the show is you're following this politician from one campaign to the next until eventually he runs for president. Does he become president? Who knows? Right. Uh, So by doing that, you have an excuse to follow one character that we're attached to. Mm-hmm. And you're not you're never going to have the Glee problem where because Glee also brought in new characters as it went on uh, yep. before everyone graduated high school. So like with the politician, he's able to focus on this one core group of people that we meet in season one and carry them through time. Uh, so interest. So here's the business side of things. So Ryan Murphy, uh, he made a fucking million shows for Fox. Uh, so he made. He made Glee, American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Pose. What else? Uh, that might be all it. I can think of right now. Those are the those are the ones that made made him all the all the shmoney. Yeah, those are those are the main ones. Those shows are all under a production deal with 21st Century Fox Television. The Politician is also under that deal, where this is a show that they could have sold to FX or Fox Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but instead they sold it to Netflix. However. His deal is now expired, and I believe last year he signed a new deal with Netflix, estimated to be worth $300 million, depending on how many shows he produces for them uh, by the time it's expired. Holy and it, it, what's also crazy, he's also allowed to keep working on his Fox shows, so he's still involved oh my with horrors. He's still involved with horror story, pose, and crime story. This man is going to be the richest person in TV ever. He might. Well, Seinfeld and David both made half a billion each off of the Seinfeld rights, I think. But, like, so. Like, but they only yeah. had, like, one or two shows, period. One show. He had they, the one. Yeah, well, yeah. now well now David's got Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld, yeah. I'm pretty sure, has a deal with Netflix. Yeah, I but. think uh, with... Yeah, I don't know if Murphy's the highest paid, but he's one of several nine-figure deals that Netflix has signed. They I don't know signed... about highest paid, but definitely, like, in terms of gross profit, he's going to yeah. be up there. <laughs> yeah, like, it's him, uh, Chuck Lorre, Lorre mm-hmm. and uh, Dick Wolf. The difference right. is that uh, – that what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, uh, Ryan Murphy is good, and they are bad. Right. right, right, right. Chuck Lorre shows are <laughs> fucking awful – Dick Wolf shows are what they are. No one's He's just been accusing... using the same formula for the past yeah. like thirty years. Yeah, no one accuses Dick Wolf of producing high art. Nope. But the man has a formula and it's like, what if cops but Chicago? Right. What if Chicago but hospital? Right. What if Chicago but firefighters? Fire department. <laughs> What if cops, but also pedophiles? Right, right. What if and, cops, but Miami? Yeah. Uh, no, he didn't do. C- he's he's not in CSI. That's right. That's right. He didn't do the CSIs, but uh, yeah, like yeah, the Dick Wolfs of the world. They they have the they make very passable television. I could binge Law and Order for ten years and oh, yeah. still get some enjoyment out of it. Uh, Chuck Lorre's shows are terrible, but yeah, him and. They're probably the biggest two, the richest, if I had to guess. I'm not going to fact check mm. any of this. I'm just going to throw these thoughts into the void and let them ruminate. But Ryan right. Murphy, what he succeeded at is making a higher caliber television. Uh, American Horror Stories sort of fallen down a cliff, but 
overall, uh, he has been very consistent and he's been very visionary. Like the two seasons of American Crime Story are incredible. Oh yeah, so so good. Yeah, and you can see a lot of the influences that he's had from his other shows sort of make their way into the politician. So like. It has the Scream Queens. That's another one he did that wasn't oh. that good, actually. Oh, I didn't see that. So uh, I wasn't a fan. I know a lot of people who really love it, but they can't all be hits. But yeah, that no, one had Jamie course. Lee Curtis in it, right? I think so, and Ariana Grande. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah. So he's one of several deals at Netflix. Shonda Rhimes has like a has like a half a billion dollar deal with them. Sorry, quarter billion dollar deal with them, but. So apparently, one of them could get paid more depending on who produces more under their contract. Shonda Rhimes has not made a show for Netflix yet, so they they're both waiting to launch their first official shows in their net under their Netflix deals. Uh, mm. They also signed a huge deal with uh, Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones. Uh, right. They signed a huge deal with the Duffer Brothers to keep making stuff after Stranger Things. So Netflix is just go. Everyone's doing this, but everyone is locking down top talent under these massive nine-figure contracts because that's the game: is exclusives and say, "Hey, we have the next show from this person who created the show you like." Because since you can't license other shows, the best you can do is at least get the guy who made that other show. That's basically the business side of it. Uh, now let's actually talk about the show because uh, I have a question for you, Michael. Okay, I have an answer. The question, it's, it's been in my head ever since I finished The Politician. Yes. Is The Politician good TV or good trash TV? Ooh, ooh. That's a, that's a really great question, actually. Uh, my answer is probably not going to be as straightforward as you would like, but I, I think it's somewhat both, in a way. Like, yep. It's kind, it's kind of good TV because it's so good at being good trash TV. If that yeah, makes sense. That's, yeah, that's my thought. It's like, like – It's just – it's so – like you, you watch it and you're just kind of like, wow, this is so trashy and terrible. But also I'm so invested and so excited and these people are so good at playing these characters. Oh, my god. That you just like can't look away. And that in itself, they – he almost like acknowledges that and makes parody of it, which is like yeah. what kind of what makes it incredible. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, like, it's... Dylan McDermott's character in, in this show is just entirely that. Like, it's just meant to be that. Yeah. Yeah, The so the, the show is, as we said before, it's about this one guy. You follow him from campaign to campaign. And the first season is about his campaign to be student body president of high school. Yeah. A thing that nobody cared about. Nobody cared about. <laughs> ever i know michael and i went to uh it was more prestigious when we graduated but a fairly prestigious private school and uh no one cared about student government it was a thing that we all knew who should be in it and we just put those people in it yep cut cut back to me sophomore year in my in my speech to be on student council yeah we'll get to that but like everyone knew it's like okay these are the smart people who want to do this for whatever reason Uh, yeah their names are our 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 heads of student government when we were in senior year were uh rebecca and tessa and Mm. no one had any doubt it wouldn't be the two of them when we were freshmen like nope we just all know, okay, they'll probably be student body president once we hit senior year because that's just how it works. Right. <clears throat> but, yeah, there was no high drama. So they, they manufacture 
uh, high political drama for a high school election. Yeah, and the way it's they like justif- West, it's West Wing meets Glee almost. Yeah, yeah, and the way they manufacture uh, tension and necessity is oh because these presidents were student body president. I have to be student body president because I want to be president one day. Yeah, the whole the whole thing really like relies on his like his like unrealistic kind of ridiculous plan for his life uh yeah. in the sense of like he's wanted to be president of the United States since a very young age and because of that has carefully planned and executed each aspect of his life in order to achieve the highest chance of achieving that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like they he, he has this he has this ridiculous plan to hit the white house and it's like oh i have to marry my uh high school sweetheart even though that relationship is extremely incompatible oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) from the moment you see them like honestly i like the character is gay by he's queer the character uh hayden yeah he's he's queer so like i guess he likes girls too but you didn't really buy there was any attraction there. It was more just the power fantasy of it. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, and... Yeah, it was like... It's almost like he's he's definitely, like, bi... Bi-romantic, I would say. But bisexual? Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah. We never see and... him engage in any sexual behavior or action that's not with a guy the whole entire first season, which, I don't know. That probably says yeah. something. <laughs> Yeah. Uh the, yeah, so like the the seri- it kicks off with the suicide of his best friend slash lover and uh slash who, opponent. Opponent named River who uh looks exactly like Henry Cavill. He looks he looks like if Henry Cavill and the guy from um from Smallville had a love child. That's yeah. who he looks like. He looks he like looks- the, the perfect Superman in between their Supermans. He looks like the baby Henry Cavill had to leave at a fire station. Right. Who was then raised by firemen. Exactly. He's very hot. Very, very hot. (laughs) And I'm very glad that after his suicide, he shows up as almost like a conscious – or what what do they call it? His his shadow. Peyton's shadow the rest of the the season because we get to look at his gorgeous face. Yeah. It's like – it it's and then it introduces his girl his girlfriend as well who runs against Hayden just to just out of spite. I think she's my favorite character in the entire show. She's pretty incredible. She her her arc I think is definitely the best Astrid. out of all of them. Astrid. Yeah, no, she has the best arc because like she actually learns something, and then everyone right. else sort of just like. And then Hayden also sort of learns something, but yeah. So like the he other trap about himself. Yeah. The trash elements of the show come from there are parts where the dialogue is completely unbelievable. Oh, where like so, they're ta- so. they're talking like they're in the most they're, they're talking like they're in a Todd Phillips play. Right. <laughs> no, it's 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 different. But like they're talking, it's like hyper real and fantastic, and I don't want to say Shakespearean, but extremely right. theatrical. It's like and, it's it's very Sorkin the way that they're discussing these politics that nobody cares about and really don't matter. Yeah, and it's not even like his his political view, but like his entire family sort of talks like that, especially like his mother and his yeah. dad, where they don't talk like people. But Gwyneth Paltrow is so perfectly cast in the show. Right. Yeah, like they're just like you the way his family talks and the way his dad talks, and you don't see him a lot, but like the way. 
all the rich people in this show talk. It's like, are these aliens? Yeah, it's it's almost interesting because I kind of picked up on this like halfway through. I was like, I was like, I was like, these people talk really weird, but also at the same time, it's not in like an unbelievable way. Like you never really question it while you're watching. And I think it's I think it's part of the same reason why Moira and Shit's Creek can have such a ridiculous accent. And it's because, you know, they're just so rich and they're just so part of, like, this private, like, exclusive community and, like, culture that it's just, like, yeah, they might as well be aliens. Like, nobody nobody has access into seeing what these people's lives are like. We all know that they exist, but nobody yeah, like, knows how they work and how they act and all of that. So I think it kind of just works you know yeah the glimpses we get of their estates are just like oh my god you're you're like how rich are these people (laughs) like yeah like like, like he gets his acceptance letter to his rejection letter to heart or sorry his waiting list letter from harvard and he goes and talks to gwyneth i'm just gonna call her gwyneth he goes and talks to gwyneth and she's sitting in the middle of this gorgeous enormous garden by these Uh, in like a all red like drapey droopy like shawl like uh that outfit, yeah. that scene was probably one of my favorites because just of, because of her outfit alone. Yeah. But, like, there's other stuff, like, the way the, the rich – I think it's trying to say something about rich people because, like, the, she, so when River, the his friend, kills himself in the first episode, uh, he's grieving in his room and his mother walks in. I made a joke about this on my Instagram, but Gwyneth walks in and to sit on the bed. And she doesn't, like, lean against the bed to hug her grieving son. She swoops her cape over the bed to make sure it doesn't get too wrinkled and then she sits on the bed yeah it's like little pieces of body acting to oh, yeah. emphasize the detachment that these people have from reality that like your your favorite child is grieving but you need to make sure you swoop the cape just right yeah i think i think the the one like sort of monologue that really summed it up for me was and i think i think this was the last episode where gwyneth gives her whole little like shit storm monologue and how mm-hmm. or no shit tornado monologue where she's like life is just one big shit tornado and you have to try to stay as clean as possible and grab as many um gold bars as you can and he's like well how are you supposed to stay clean in a shit tornado and she's like that's the point you can't <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's like the the big like philosophy of the show that it just carries out so well is just like all of these people because that's like Hayden's big like sort of internal conflict during the whole season or I guess like the the B conflict for him of course like the A conflict is the the campaign but the B conflict is like am I a sociopath do I actually feel things or do I just feel them because I need to feel them in order to you know represent myself in a way that's favorable like how am I supposed to how do I convince myself or how do I know that I'm a good person and that whole monologue is just basically like well, you don't, and nobody really is because it's impossible to be. So yeah. just fucking do what you can to live life the way that you want to, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, his mom t- wants nothing to be happy, and the ultimate choice that she makes is to be happy. Right. And for him, he doesn't know how to be happy when he's not campaigning, and I think that's going to be something they ex- they explore down the line where mm. he just – he. Does he has no idea how to be happy without campaigning to the point where what they set up at the end, uh, where he's going to have to destroy someone's life yeah. in order to win. And he sort of does that a bit where, where like he can't really destroy Astrid's life, 
but he does everything he can to try to destroy her, and he runs an extremely dirty campaign, oh, which, yeah. again, nobody cares about. Nope. But yeah. apparently it's – and they there's there's an episode – the episode of Election Day is called The Voter, and it's yeah. one of my favorite episodes of the season. But Absolutely it just, my favorite, I think. It just goes along and shows, like, no one cares. Yeah, they it, fo- it follows this-, this one student who's, like, he's – they play him off as this, like, swing voter, you know, who, like, he could go either way or he's undecided, you know. And so, like, <laughs> they just follow him during, like, his whole day, and his whole day just revolves around him getting a chance to masturbate whenever he can. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's so funny. Like, everybody's been in high school and knows, like – how unserious high school is and how like low the stakes are in high school. So like meanwhile this like whole political like war is going on around him and this kid just wants to jerk off in between classes. <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck about who pre- who the president is. Yeah. And he's a shitty person too. It's not like oh, he's yeah. like a good Yeah, like he he objectifies what like he's not like a good guy by any stretch of the imagination. No. But yeah, yeah like, that that was like uh that was a really well well good use of the of the male gaze i would say that whole episode because like every time that somebody's talking to him he'll just like get distracted by some like high schooler in the background wearing like a short skirt or whatever and the camera just immediately goes into pov and like just gazes and scans the bodies of these high school girls and it's just like ah, like after a while, you're just kind of like, are you fucking serious? You're like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like, <laughs> just like, yeah. God damn it! <laughs> like, look at someone's face for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, like uh, th- the biggest moment of satisfaction I got though from that episode is when the 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 poll the campaign manager for Astrid is talking to him and she's trying to sell. Oh her- yeah. President is like, have you heard of Drake? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But, yeah, she's like, ooh, have you heard of Drake? He'll come to, and he just fucking shoves he her, just pushes her. Yeah. Oh brilliant. my god. Yeah, like it's it's a very it's not like a perfect show, but it's like it's it's making a lot of points. Like it's asking a it's exploring this one character, but it's also like it has like a nihilistic view of politics where it's like nothing matters. But almost, also... ab- almost absurdist. I would even say, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's nihilistic in the sense that like it's, it gets very dark at times, but it, it's definitely like to an absurd level, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, enjoyed like, I th- it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's like, it's extremely nihilistic about politics. Uh, it, it's extremely not, it's nihilistic about everything, but yeah, the, abs- the, Everything good about it is these characters that Murphy created. And that brings me back to my point. Like, with Glee, he didn't want to say goodbye to those characters. No. Even when it might have served the story better. With these, he created a very good reason to follow them along. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm really excited. I think this is, like, almost what Glee, like, should have been, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's... It, because like you said, you know, it's – and not only did Murphy not want to say goodbye to those characters, but the, the viewers didn't want to say goodbye to those characters either. So we kind of justified it, you know, as it went on and we're just like, yeah, we still get to see more of more of these characters we love and adore. But at, like you said, at the, at the ultimate demise of the narrative of the show. Um, but 
in this case, you know, he's built these characters almost better, I would say, than he built the Glee characters. You know, it took like a couple of seasons to really fall in love with every single character in Glee. But at the end of this one season of The Politician, every single character that's a main or supporting character, I I love and can't wait to see more of, you know, like, yeah, it's just it's just such a good it's just such good planning and pre-thought, like in premeditation, I think, for a show that he did for this. Yeah. So uh, I think I, w- I want to talk about the ending. So the ending mm-hmm. was told in three episodes. Uh, my biggest issue with the show is the ending because they break up the the last episode is actually an epilogue, uh, mm-hmm. but the first, two, the last two of the of the high school arc, they're told as uh, what's the word? They're told as uh, they're, they're, it's told in two parts. It's called the assassination of Hayden Hobart. Yeah, uh, and the the reason they split it into two parts is the assassination of his body and then the assassination of his spirit is how they break it apart. So I understand right. why, but in practice, I didn't like it, and it really messed with the pacing of the show. I think like mm-hmm. I would have rather that have just been a longer episode that was better edited than two distinct forty minute episodes. Right. Like give us give us an hour for for that one and then an hour epilogue. Yeah. yeah. And I think but overall I still I I think the idea of the show is their whole concern with all the scandals and all the shit they're stirring up is this is going to bite us this is going to bite us in the ass and I run for governor or whatever. They're they're thinking three campaigns ahead and it, throughout the show, I believed them, and I said, oh, he's planting these seeds to be followed up later. And, in fact, the season ends where everything comes and bites him in the ass. Every single thing that was set up, every single mistake they made, unraveled and collapsed in those last two episodes, which sets up the epilogue. And I think it was a much more interesting choice to make, because I'm always for leaving as blank a slate as possible in between installments instead of trying to tease things along like jj abrams and being like oh which uh, oh wow they just did this scandal but you want to know how that plays out come back later but instead they didn't make me come back later they told me how it played out yeah the ending definitely was sort of drawn out i think and definitely like if i found myself you know sort of drifting away and kind of bored with anything in the show it was definitely those last couple of episodes um yeah, it was just sort of like taking the same concept and like cuz cuz that's the thing is like there wasn't really anything much different between the two episodes that was, you know, one story split into two. Is it it really was just, you know, the same story, the same story just in a really long way, you know. Um and I feel like they they could have gotten around that like like you said the only real like distinguishing thing was that one was the assassination of his body and the other one was the assassination of his um his soul or his or his you know uh drive or whatever um and i just yeah it could it could have been done in a in a more concise and and efficient way absolutely yeah but i think the last episode Mm -hmm. uh was a very good place to leave the show off because absolutely like the so I didn't know about the following him from campaign to campaign 
until I had read some reviews of the show before it came out. And then I was like, oh, interesting idea. But if you're a new viewer of the show and you watch the show, it's called The Politician. But it's just about a kid in high school. You're like, what the hell's going on? So by leaving you on this last episode where he announces his bid for state senate, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he announces his bid for state senate. Uh, that lets the audience know. But I think that episode also showed not only how these characters have grown, but also what makes him stronger. Because he starts with just two people helping him. But then from all, everything he went through in high school, he now has this entire team. Yeah. Um, he has Astrid and he has uh, Sky, who are extremely ruthless and cunning in their own right. They just And they're now assets he can use more. Right. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. What I'm sort of curious going forward is is if they're going to the character that sort of I left sort of being like, huh, like I don't really know what they're going to do with them in the future and how it's going to work and how it's going to play. And this actually thinking about it now after we talked about Glee and sort of what made that, you know, go wrong kind of concerns me is the um the uh Oh gosh, what's what's her name? Uh, the oh, Infinity. Infinity. That's it. I kept wanting to think like Melody or something like that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to what they're gonna do with her character and if we're gonna continue to see more of her as we go forward, and if that's gonna have any relation to Hayden or not. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because yeah, because like yeah, because the big fear of the first season is oh, she's going to come back and bite us. And she does come back and bite them towards the uh, towards the end of the first season, but th- that could still come back because they now the – the entire reason he runs against this state senator is because he knows she's in a thruple. Right. Also, and, just in like a – in a narrative way, like – where like what what role is she gonna play in the story moving forward? You know, mm-hmm. is like is she going to join in on the on the campaign team? Is she going to be a part of that you know like super team that Hayden's putting together for state senate, or is she gonna be her own separate entity that we also follow? Okay, and, yeah, yeah. I like think... that's that's why I'm worried. Is like if if this is gonna fall into the same pattern of glee of trying to you know following characters many... who don't need to be followed anymore. Exactly, exactly. Because her because for the most part her character has been resolved. Like we don't yeah, really I think... need to see more of her. I th- I think if they do use her, it could be like you know like she could be the celebrity endorsement because she knows right. him personally. But like she has a best selling book. Right, right, right. Like she comes or, back every now yeah. and then. But yeah. only when it applies to the to the main plot. Yeah, and yeah. they don't, they honestly don't really have to unless she like has another. She decides she decides to go into politics for right, whatever reason. Right, right, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, maybe 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 she's the person who Hayden runs against for presidency. Ooh, that'd five be seasons down the line. Yeah, so let's see. Right? He's state senate right now, so means he's probably going to run for governor. Yep. Uh, and then president, I guess. So yeah, that's four seasons right there for you. Yeah, yeah. I assume I assume they'll probably give us one season where he loses something as well. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Like he, maybe. Yeah. So well, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, they could they could draw it out for as long as they want, probably. Yeah, like they have an they have an amazing cast. Like we didn't even talk about like they've got Ben Platt who's just having the hottest streak right now. Oh my god, he's killing it. Like it's yeah. insane. 
That that yeah. man can act his butt off too. And he can I sing him, too. I saw him do it live and it was uh, incredible. You saw uh the Dear Evan the Hansen. The suicide show. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen. Dear yeah. Evan Hansen. It was I, really good. He I like, haven't seen it, but Oh my god. Like he just really like I'm so glad I got to see him do it just specifically just because of how great he was in that role. And yeah. just like hear, hearing him sing live, like the they clearly do, you know, recording and, and you know sort of overdubbing for the for the music in the show when he does sing, but he sounds exactly like that like they could have recorded it live and it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference except for acoustics Mm -hmm. like he's incredible he's just a he's a true true triple threat except i don't know if he's a good dancer or not yeah they have yeah he has the two songs in the show both of which are incredible yeah yeah oh yeah i'd never no three he has three which three He's got the the Billy Joel song. He's got the um, the River song, and then he's got the one for the musical. Oh right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah, but no, I'd never heard uh, either of the song. The first, I'd never heard River. I'd never heard any of the songs he sang. But like River and Vienna, good. Uh, they're real songs, but good you never choices. heard Vienna before. Nope. That's one of like the greatest songs of all time, dude. My dad didn't play a lot of Billy Joel. Wow. Yeah. Traitor. I don't know if he's a fan of Billy Joel. He just never uh, made. He me strikes to me. Any. He strikes me as the kind of guy who would be like, "Nah, he's overrated." You know. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard my dad's opinion on Billy Joel. See, that's what I'm saying. Is I feel like I feel like he did that purposely. And <laughs> if anybody ever brings it up, he's like, the, "Nah, whatever." I was never been that big of a fan. Why you do know? you think my dad's a New York Jew? I don't know. That's that's just how everybody who talks about <laughs> Billy Joel sounds. <laughs> Whenever you talk about Billy Joel, you have to talk like this, you know? Uh, Billy Joel, he's not that much. Yeah, I saw him at the garden. <laughs> Did he write Rocket Man? No. No. <laughs> Did anyone ever write Rocket Man other than Elton John and his friend? No. No. Never. Not they're, never. They're the only ones who count. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Netflix Anyways. is on a pretty good roll, uh, which they're is good for well. them because they're about to get Disney Plus launches in a month from the day we're recording. Wow! Yeah, that's can't crazy. believe it. Every parent, I'm like, I'm can... like nervous. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like that. You said that, and I got like uncomfortable. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I'm just like, like I feel like it's like the 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 rapture or something, you know. Like Things it's coming and be... it's just gonna like change the game of streaming forever. Things are different now. Yeah, like, really. Like that's that's really it. I think it's because I'm getting old and the idea of things changing is just becoming less and less comfortable for me. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I think Disney Plus is bad uh, for the industry and bad for uh, consumers in the long haul. But also, we got a Star Wars show. Yeah, I'm like I'm excited, but also I'm like this is gonna cause like this is really gonna like be a a moment like this is you know be how a, you got a, to watch um, those marvel movies included with your netflix subscription well now you have to pay for them yeah but also like access to every single disney movie yeah which is also a thing that was artificially it's artificial scarcity they could sell the rights to every single disney movie to every streaming service as a non-exclusive license 
but mm-hmm. and make a lot of money doing that. The bet they're making is they will be able to make more from subscriptions than selling non-exclusive licenses. Right. Well, that's they've always sort of had that whole like method with the whole vault thing, you know, the non-existent vault. Yeah. <laughs> Where they they hold the movies until they're, you know, ready to do a re-release and then they release them every, you know, 7 years or something. I think it's 10. Yeah. It, weird. Weird. But also Gotta like get it before it goes back in. St- strategically genius. Like for money making, genius. Yeah, well, so that was an that was a Michael Eisner thing because they the way Eisner made money was by re-releasing their stuff and then when home video came around re-releases died right because it used to be like they would re-release snow white widely in theaters every 10 years and you could go pay in any major theater chain and see snow white but once Mm -hmm. home video came around the home the re-release died so disney created the idea of the vault so they could get similar hype and it's like ah get snow white now on vhs and then once dvds came around ah snow white now on dvd get it before it's gone so with streaming, they're just getting rid of the vault, and now it's just – I don't know if they'll ever make a movie on home video. My question, though, is are they ever going to make a vault movie available to buy digital ever now that they have Disney Plus? Because that would oh, be the right. Real. Like will you be able to buy it on iTunes or like Amazon or something? Yeah, because right now Aladdin is out of the vault, and if Disney's being honest, it will be the last vault release ever. Right. And I feel so, like I don't know. I feel like they're probably still gonna continue with the whole like vault DVD releases, you know? Yeah. Because DVDs haven't died out yet. You know, there's a lot of people who still really enjoy having you know physical copies of of things, and most DVDs nowadays come with a digital copy. Yeah. So I feel like if you do want to get a digital copy of something, it'll probably that'll be the only way you could probably do it. Yeah, but like right now, you can't buy Sleeping Beauty, so Mike, I, I don't know if you. Will be able to buy it after Disney Plus comes out when right, or you'll have to just Sleeping... wait until they do a, a DVD re-release. Yeah, and they yeah, so well, well, yeah, so there's there's that, and then Apple TV Plus launches. I'm getting it because I got a new phone, so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a very good way to sell streaming services to people. It's like, hey, have a year for free. There you go. We have Blind Jason Momoa. Come on in. It's gonna be an interesting, interesting time for streaming. You know, I can't wait for though Peacock what? baby. Oh yeah, NBC NBC's streaming Peacock. service. Wow, <laughs> who Someone's... came up with that name? Whose whose job was that? A podcast I listened to said it was going to be said it as a joke like months ago. It's like they'll probably call it the NBC streaming service Peacock Plus. He said oh it God. as a joke, and then they and then did they it. Actually, did it. Yeah, somebody like was the... listening, and they went, "Oh my God, that's genius." Because we are the peacock. We are the peacock. Dung, dung, dung. Dung, dung, dung. Can we get copyright stricken for that? <laughs> ah, we're not on YouTube, so I think we're fine. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't understand how this how this works. Yeah, I don't know. So you think Netflix is going to be fine? I I think Netflix will be fine. Yeah. Uh, Hulu, is, Hulu will be fine until... Broadcast TV is is no longer a thing. Like until well, Hulu's network TV by, isn't a thing. Hulu's owned by Disney, and right, that's so right. So the Hulu Play is, and I, they've said as much. Hulu's basically over time going to become a suppository for premium adult content. So FX mm-hmm. 
F- FX already has people working on Hulu exclusive content. So you're going to see more FX shows on Hulu and they also see Hulu as a part of an international play, so they want to get they right. want to take Hulu outside of the US as well. Right, right, right. And uh so right now with they they have a lot of FX content. My guess is uh the Simpsons, well, Simpsons is going to be a Disney Plus show, but uh, Family Guy is probably going to stop being broadcast on Fox because the Fox Broadcast Network is still owned by Rupert Murdoch, but the mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox TV, who makes Family Guy, is owned by Disney. So don't be shocked if when Family Guy is up for renewal, Disney prevents Fox from being able to buy new s- seasons of it. It makes Family Guy a Hulu exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, same goes for Bob's Burgers. Same goes for the Orville. So... The problem with the Fox Broadcast Network is almost all of their shows are produced by a company they no longer own. So Disney could very easily not renew those shows and bring them in house. And then the Fox and then Fox Broadcast has to buy more shows from Sony or Warner, whoever's willing to sell to them. That's going to be fun when that happens. Yeah. Oh. Uh, kind of off topic. I read somewhere that um, Disney's just gonna buy Spider Man. Uh, that's 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 a load of BS. Where'd you read that cosmic book news? I have I have no idea. I just saw yeah. it. It was if on my it was on my like you know how Calvin was talking about his little like Google Google like scroll thing where he swipes left on his on his home screen and it shows him little news things. Mm-hmm. That that's where I saw it. So it could be bullshit, but it's, it's 100% bullshit. I'm going to say, I'm going to type in Disney buys Spider-Man, Disney buying Spider-Man rumor explained why it won't happen by screen rant. Ah, Disney trying to buy Spider-Man back from Sony from critical hit. Ooh, let's see who critical hit is a uh, website. I've never heard of before that uses a Squarespace template to uh, build their website. Uh, See, so they got some reviews of stuff. Uh, okay, so it mostly looks like they are a uh, a review site that decided to. Oh, wait, let me see who are their sources. Rumor: Fans around the world breathe a sigh of relief when Disney signed a brand a new rumor from Geekosities. Mike Sutton. I the, the article I read. A, yeah. Was it, there was this guy who's very very well known for accurately leaking and predicting uh, Marvel and DC news, mm-hmm. who's like a part of this like exclusive invite only Facebook group or something, yeah, and leaked that Disney had yeah. plans to just buy Spider Man right out outright. Okay, the it is it is Geekosity, which is a Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, so, otherwise known as, I'm not going to, to trust it. Right. At all. Anyway. Uh, here's what I'll say to that. Would they like to? I'm sure. But given that Spider-Man just made a billion dollars, Sony, if Sony would sell Spider-Man, which they wouldn't, uh, they would want more than the character is worth. Right. They would want, like, $50 billion for the rights back, which... Not an unreasonable ask because uh, the character is probably worth ten billion. So ask five times what he's worth. Mm. But would Disney be dumb enough to just do it? Uh, they don't have a lot of cash, so no. <laughs> what they are probably going to do 
here's my guess. Uh, so as we know, the current deal you weren't you weren't on the show when this happened, but I told you when it broke. Right. Uh, the current deal is Spider-Man will be in one solo movie, uh, which is produced by Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, and then he will be in one crossover movie. And then after that, they have to renegotiate. My guess is a this it's going to be it when whatever it is that crossover movie is is going to phase him out somehow. Either he'll die, fall into a portal to another dimension. He will be out, or Disney will rene- or uh, I think Disney will renegotiate a deal where they just pay Sony a flat percentage or a flat fee anytime they want to use Spider-Man in a crossover, and then they're out of the the solo movie game because for them they have to dedicate time at their studio to make a movie that they only see the returns of like twenty five percent of. And, yeah, they don't have to spend money on that, but for them, it's – Kevin Feige's time is so valuable. They don't want to waste it making movies they only get a quarter of when he could be making movies they get 100% of. Right. So that's my bet. So, yeah, just don't – unless it is unless it comes from the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, or Deadline, don't buy it. <laughs> All right, word. And I'm telling you that as someone who has – given you exclusive news don't don't buy it unless it's from one of them yes yeah in in regards to culture vacuum plus that is yeah culture vacuum plus take it straight from the horse's mouth but exactly exactly uh, yeah yeah it's just yeah there's always these there's there's one website in particular which is called cosmic boot Cosmic Book News. Cosmic Book News. Cosmic Book News, uh, which is uh, they are the C O S M I C B E W K N O O S. Yeah, no, I. It's anyway. Cosmic Book News is the fuel for the fire of toxic internet men. Ah. Every single story about rumors are Brie Larson was untouchable on the Avengers set because nobody liked her and they all pulled her pants down and called her a loser. <laughs> uh, all those all those rumors about how much the Marvel set hates Brie Larson, uh, those all come from Cosmic Book News, who will report it so that the internet manosphere on YouTube can make videos complaining about it. Ah. Uh. And they're like, this just out of Cosmic Book News. They're bringing – so, yeah, Cosmic Book News. Uh, I don't want to say they're liars, but I'll say it. They're a bunch of liars. Were they the who, ones that uh, that told everybody that Jared Leto had a hissy fit about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie? Uh, no, I believe that was uh, from a major trade. So That's yeah. kind of ridiculous, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, no, like – It's like, shut uh, up. Your your yeah. movie was bad. This one was, was better. So <laughs> – I mean, like, Cosmic whining. Book News, uh, they also broke that Mark Strong was going to play Lex Luthor uh, uh, before uh, Jesse Eisenberg was cast as Lex Luthor. They just have a long history of being wrong, and when I say that, I mean they're liars. If, if any of them are listening to this, uh, you're bad people, and uh, you lie uh, about things for money, because it gets outrage clicks, and I think you're run by a misogynist who hates women, and uh, you break news so that you can spread misinformation on the internet. Bad people. Mm. But that's my opinion. Right. Right, right. And I know I'm not supposed to give my opinion <laughs> on this opinion well, news show. I don't well, know. Anything else you want to talk about? The politician was no. good. Yeah, the politician was good. Politician was great. Good job, Ryan Murphy. I love you, Ryan Murphy. 
Oh my god. You gave me uh you gave me plenty of um of chiseled draw lines for the spank bank. Thanks, Ryan Murphy. Uh, no comment. <laughs> he's so attractive, Samuel. No, no, he's he's extraordinarily handsome. Very handsome boy. He butters my egg roll. He he seasons my croissant. What? Uh, uh, that's that's all I got. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? Um, not really. Thanks for having me on two episodes in a row. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Also, c- congrats on, on 50 episodes. We didn't get to talk about it much last time, but, like, goddamn, that's crazy. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. wild. Yeah, man. I remember when we when we, when we we reached um, – what was the milestone we got to for Unwatchable? We might have also gotten to fi- – I don't know. I, I know we definitely like, got to 50 at some point. Yeah, hold on. I can yeah. check on Unwatchable. It's just uh, wild. Like, we've, we've been doing this for almost a decade now. half yeah, Or half did. a decade. We got to... We might have gotten to 40. For Unwatchable? We got to 36 episodes of Unwatchable. Wow, really? Yeah. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Wild it's just, it's just been a, it's been a, a great journey. A great yeah. podcasting journey. Yeah. You know? You know, you know, I talked it over with Calvin. You're welcome here anytime. Oh, but well, thank I'm you. I'm not going to ask it of you because you're a busy boy. Of course. I appreciate it. You yeah. know, I just, I just got a, I just got added to a, or I just got um, a part in my, my school sketch team. So. so. So is it sketch comedy or improv comedy? Sketch comedy. So that we okay. have, we have an improv team and we have a sketch comedy team. Okay. Um, the sketch comedy team that I'm a part of, which is called Dead Rabbit Society, is is not the improv team, and they're separate. But most often than not, they share performance um, space and dates. So usually okay. it's like the improv. Usually sketch comedy goes first, and then improv goes after sketch comedy, and it's all part of like the same show. So did you get on the improv team or not? No, I auditioned for the improv team, didn't get on. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't know if improv- I'll audition again next year because I don't know how long I'll be at school for, but mm-hmm. yeah, as cool. of now, sketch comedy and I'm happy. So, well, the improv team is canceled. Yeah, fuck those guys. Except not because <laughs> a lot of them are my friends and they're really cool and funny people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You should. I don't know. Bring them watchable pitches on. Right. <laughs> Maybe I didn't get I didn't get a writing position, but that doesn't mean that I can't do writing. So, okay. I don't know, because I I auditioned to be a writer and an actor, but mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think anybody who got added as a writer also got added as an actor. So, yeah. uh, pitch it, see what yeah. comes up. I'll see. It's Shark Tank, but things. Exactly, it's just a re- recurring sketch segment, but Shark Tank. Everyone loves Shark Tank. Everybody loves Shark Tank. Mark Cuban. I want to. Yeah. America's sweetheart. I wanna... I want to burn capitalism down and replace it with with a better system. But I fucking love Shark Tank. <laughs> it's a great I know show. <laughs> I know if it's we propaganda. We get rid of capitalism. We should still have Shark Tank. We should still pretend it exists so exactly. that Shark Tank can exist. Yeah, it'll just be we'll a. Just, it'll be more like normal game shows where yeah. the stakes are not really real. But yeah, we'll you know. we'll we'll brainwash Kevin, Barbara, Mark, uh, Damon, Lori, uh, and uh, the and Robert, and then. Uh, They'll just sit in a room and then give people deals with money they don't have anymore because we abolished exactly. capital. Yeah, I'm down. I'm all Brilliant. down. Brilliant. 
and we'll stream it on Culture Vacuum Plus. Which will be free. Exactly. Because we abolished capital. Yeah. Don't Michael, you guys don't want, think want free to... Culture Vacuum Plus? Join the revolution. Michael, I don't think I want to abolish capitalism anymore. I like my phone. Yeah? Yeah, I think my phone just turned me back into a capitalist. Oh, shit. Why don't you, you get you off do? your lazy ass and get a job, you moocher? Oh, my Welfare God. Welfare queen, I say. Welfare queen. No. No. Samuel, stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Adieu, mon ami.